I am go- I'm glad I get to speak to you today. I'm pretty excited about talking about the wise men. Um, but before we start, you know, on Wednesday, uh, Jacob asked me to speak to the youth group and uh, to speak to them about Revelation chapter 4. And so if you know Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 4 is a picture of what God's throne looks like, his throne room, the things around it, creatures he created are in there. And I was able to walk the students through Revelation 4, and they used their creativity, their imagination, and they got revelation about Revelation chapter 4. It was really impactful to me. I got to see them... uh, Think about how big the wings are on the creatures. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. Or how big are the eyeballs that are on the creatures all around and within. You know, so they had great ideas even why the elders threw their crowns before the king. They had understanding of revelation about that. And so with that, I'm hoping today that you guys will unlock your imagination. So one thing that is hard to do when it's Christmas time is to preach about Christmas because everybody knows the Christmas story. And we get very familiar with it. And when we're familiar with something, we sometimes lose our imagination or our creativity. So I believe that Jesus created all things. I believe that Jesus created everybody in this room. And I believe that Jesus gave each one of us the ability and desire to create. From when you're an infant to you're a a toddler to a teenager to an adult, you create things and you enjoy it. Kids might draw a picture. They love it. They show their parents. Uh, The next age, the kid might learn how to play sports. He figures out this cool movie, wants to show his dad how to shoot a basketball. The other stage is you go into work and you create things or you're a baker and you make or bake something. You enjoy creating something and then reaping the benefit of it. So my goal today is to get you guys to use your creativity, your imagination, about the story of the wise men. Now, I think we can agree that Jesus' birth is probably the top three biggest moments in human history. Can we we agree on that? So we'll say Jesus' birth, Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, probably all on the same plane of most important days of our lives, right? And when you think about it like that, then you look at the Bible and there's very little information given about Jesus' birth. So the wise men are only in Matthew chapter 2, and they are only maybe the half of the first chapter. So we get a very small glimpse of Jesus' birth. Now, you have to ask yourself, why is that? Why did God, on one of the most important events in history, only give us a very small amount of information to understand? My assumption is because he wants us to imagine and create the story in our head, and it will make it more real to us. So when we meditate on Scripture, some people uh, like to reread the same verses over and over and over and over. For me today, I want to teach you guys how I meditate. When I meditate on Scripture, I go line by line, and I pause and I stop at critical moments, and I try to picture it or place myself in that story. 
So that's what we're going to do today. We are going to place ourselves in Matthew chapter 2. So if you guys want to turn there, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get started. Jesus, I thank you that you became a man. I thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask you just to reveal your, your birthday, your birth to us in a new way, that we would see who you are and we would love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we learn to meditate or as we create the story in our minds, the story is not clear. There's different assumptions of even who the, the magi are, the wise men. And so I'll give you a couple different uh, ideas about them, but I want you in your mind to create your own story. So verse 1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king, behold, magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And then the next verse, for we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So we'll pause right there. So the first question we have to ask ourselves are, who are the Magi, and where did they come from? All it tells us is that they came from the East. And so there's two, train of, two main train of thoughts about the, the Magi. is One, that they are a group of men who have been studying God since Daniel in uh, Babylon, and they have been preparing for hundreds of years waiting for a star to come up out of Bethlehem, out of Jerusalem, for them to know that the king is born. And there's one scripture in the Bible that talks about a star coming up, and it's in Numbers 22, I think. And it's very hard to understand, but that's one idea. Another idea that the Catholics like to grab is that there are three kings from three different regions that, heard, that saw the star and came together. So... When I'm telling the story, I'm going to picture that these are the people who have been under Daniel, under his information, they've been studying it, they've been looking for hundreds of years, and then they've been waiting for the king. That's the kind of idea that I'm going to go with. Now, when you imagine things, it's okay to imagine things that aren't true, okay? And so that might be hard for people to understand is, well, why would I imagine something that isn't true? And how does that benefit me? As long as your heart is engaged with Jesus and it brings you closer to him, it's okay to go down a bunny path, a bunny trail, and find out, okay, what I just said isn't true, so let's go back to the start. So an example is, on Wednesday I was talking with Matt, Dennis, and Jim, and I was telling them I'm going to preach about the wise men, and I was getting excited about it. And I said, you know, I don't think the wise men followed a star. They're like, What? I'm like, no, I don't think so. I think the star is an angel. And they all looked at me like I was crazy. And they let me continue in that train of thought. Now, the more and more times you pray and I read the scriptures, I came to the conclusion, okay, I don't think it's an angel anymore. But the point was that whole journey still brought me closer to Jesus, even though that what I was thinking about wasn't true. Does that make sense? So I want to free you guys up with the ability today when we're going through Matthew chapter 2 to think about things differently that might not be true, but it's okay because it's bringing us all to Jesus, all right? So 
we see that the star, that they see the star from the east. So when we think of that, most people that have studied the Bible say the east is somewhere where Babylon is, okay? So just to give you an idea, most people in this room don't know the distance between Jerusalem and Babylon. So if you drew a straight line, it's about 900 miles, okay? Well, that's a straight line. People don't travel that way. You know, like today's world, if we want to drive 900 miles, we don't have to really plan very much. We just hop on the interstate. We start driving. There'll be gas stations. There'll be food. There'll be things along the way. Well, when you're traveling back then, you had to go certain routes. And so a lot of times you had to go where the water was because, what, you would get thirsty, right? So if you get thirsty, you need to be by water. And so likely the route they actually took was about 1,700 miles. And so imagine you, these people, these magi, see a star over Jerusalem from wherever they were, and they knew that that was the king of the Jews, the sign, and they started to travel. Now, there's a lot of things we need to understand. Back then, and even now in the Middle East, do you know where they sleep a lot of the times when it's hot out? On the roof. Inside the house gets too hot. And so at nighttime, they go up on the roof. It's flat. They sleep on the roof, and they get the cool breeze. So how many of the people in this room look at your phones in your bed? Does anybody do that other than me? Do you look at your phones? Do you watch TV? Not very many. Wow. I watch a lot of stuff on my phone in bed. The point is, is when you're laying in bed trying to fall asleep, you usually try to focus on something. You try to think about something. You imagine something. How many of you guys have been in the country where there aren't city lights and you look up and see the sky? And you can see all the stars. So my point is, is these people back then in the Middle East, they were aware of stars. They looked at them all the time. They would be able to tell you where the Big Dipper is. They would be able to point out the things that I would never even know about a star because they're looking at it all the time before they go to bed. And so for a Magi to see something new, a new star coming up out of Jerusalem that nobody else in Jerusalem sees for some reason, but the Magi see, and they start preparing their way to come there. Okay? Let's go to the next verse. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Let's pause right there. So why would the king be troubled hearing that the king of the, the Jews have been born? They would be troubled because a, a king doesn't want to give up his power, right? There is no just like, I'm going to hand you over the power because I don't want to be power any, I don't want to have authority anymore. Back then and now, kings are replaced by fighting by taking charge, by uh, capturing the other king and taking that authority. So that brought trouble to King Herod. He was worried. He doesn't want to lose his power. He doesn't want to lose his money. And he, it, it worried him because when he sees these people coming, we as kids have been taught sometimes like there's only three magi, right? Uh, in reality, I want you to think of more like 100 to 200 people entering into Jerusalem, looking for the king. Now, why do I say that? I say that because 
what do we know that the Magi later on give to Jesus? Treasure, right? He gives them gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, if you were going to carry treasure 1,700 miles, you would have to have security with you. You would have guards. And if you had guards, you would also probably have your family with you. Why? Because you're traveling at least nine months or a year to get to Jerusalem. So you're bringing a whole bunch of people. And if you have a whole bunch of people, you have to have food. You have to have camels. You have to have donkeys. It is a big deal of a whole group of people walking into Jerusalem. It's not just three people. So the very next verse or line, after it says Herod was troubled, it says all of Jerusalem was also troubled. Now that made me pause. I said, all of Jerusalem? Why would the Jews be troubled? This should be a glorious event. They should be excited that the king of the Jews is born. But instead, it brought trouble to their heart. Why? This is the part where we put ourselves in, those, in the shoes of those people. It's My idea is because they were comfortable with where they were at. They didn't want to fight. They didn't want a war. They were happy with what they had, even though they had somebody over them oppressing them, they were comfortable with it. It's like when the Jews came up out of Egypt, one of the things that they said is, I wish we would go back to Egypt because at least I knew where my food and my water and my shelter were. They were comfortable back then. It's hard when you have to step out into something new, not knowing the difficulty that you're going to face. So I was thinking to myself, I say, Lord, what are the things in my life right now that I'm being like Jerusalem. I'm being scared to enter into the promises that you've spoken to me about. And I wait and I listen and I keep praying and asking because I know I am not better than anybody in this story. I'm just like them. I have that fear in my heart to step out into something new because it's new. I don't know what difficulty, I don't know what's going to attack me. Does that make sense? So we always want to keep asking the Lord to show us the things that he's given us for us to walk into. Another piece of information is these people in Jerusalem haven't really heard the voice of the Lord for over 400 years. It's a long time of waiting, and I bet you a lot of them lost hope in what God has called them to do. And I wondered in my own life, I said, God, what are the prophetic words or things that I thought you spoke over me that I've lost hope in? The things that I've given up on because I haven't heard you bring it up in 10 years. And I'm only talking about 10 years. I'm not even talking about 400. I mean, I get discouraged after one month if I feel like God's not talking to me. I can't imagine what it would feel like to not have the Holy Spirit in them and not be able to communicate and hear clearly from the Lord for that period of time. We are so lucky that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us that we can talk and communicate with him every second of every day. And so even though we have the Holy Spirit in us, we too lose sight of what the Lord's saying. Let's go to the next verse. Uh, Verse, I think we're at verse 4. 
And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judah, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For from, for from you will come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. Now, that's an interesting thing for us to focus on, is the exact time. Because later we'll see that Herod decides to kill all of the babies, two years and under, in Bethlehem, because of the time that the Magi gave them. So my way I'm creating this story is that the Magi are in Babylon. They are and see a star that they know that they've been looking for and been told about. And they decide, okay, we are going to travel to Jerusalem to see the king. And as they travel, the star's not there anymore. They don't see the star anymore. But they're still traveling in hope that they were right. Because they're gathered all together, they're moving in one direction, and it says... Uh, Verse 7, then Herod secretly called for the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I may too come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went on ahead of them until it stopped over the place that the child was to be found. This is a key verse. Then they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now I'm picturing them walking into Jerusalem, not knowing where the king of the Jews is, them saying, where is he, where is he, where is he? We've been looking this whole time for him. And their response is, we don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, well, what do you mean they're... The king of the Jews was born. We saw the star. Are you sure you saw the star? Are you sure that he was born? Uh, Our records say that he'll be born in Bethlehem. And so when they hear that, they start deciding, okay, we're going to go to Bethlehem then. We're going to find the king. They start walking, and then the star appears again that they haven't seen for over a year. The excitement that that group would have, they'd be shouting and screaming, I told you. I told you I was right because I guarantee if they had kids and they were walking and traveling for a year, the kids would be like, are you sure you saw this, Dad? Are you sure? Because I know my kids, when we go on a car trip, if it's six hours and under, there's no fighting. If it's six hours and one minute, it like, it's like they erupts in the back seat. So I guarantee that the kids were fighting on the way. The, the, the soldiers were questioning them. Anybody, the servants were mad because they had to walk in the heat. You know, there were so much things built up because they operated in faith when they saw the star the first time. When they see it again, it created this joy inside of their heart because they knew what they saw was true. And it says that the star moved and led them to the house. 
Now, I want you to picture that. If you go outside right now and you look up tonight and you see a star, are you going to be able to tell me what house that star is over? No. It's impossible. You look up, anybody in the world will be like, well, the star's over me. And the person 100 miles away would say the same thing about the same star. This was a special event. Somehow, however you want to picture it, I'm kind of picturing like a beam of light coming down, you know, from heaven, from this star, and it's resting over the house. And the wise men come in, and they see Mary and Jesus, and they get so excited because they know that who they are before is the king. Now, why is this an important story? Well, one of them is, and this is, again, my interpretation, my little piece. It doesn't mean that it's true. Is I believe that they're Gentiles. I believe the Magi are are probably Gentiles. Now, why is that important? Well, Jesus says that the gospel goes first to the Jew, then the Gentiles. Who was there first? The shepherds. The shepherds were there right away. The Gentiles came a long time later, but he still wanted the Gentiles to see Jesus. And to me, that just opens up my heart saying, Jesus, you know and have this plan from the very beginning that you are going to create Israel, you're going to create your people, and you are going to make a way for me as a Gentile to come in to the inheritance that you promised. It's amazing when you think about it, that Jesus would bring somebody to him to worship that is so far away that they would travel over maybe a year to get there. Let's continue. Well, you will pick up in verse... Uh, 11. And after they came into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And after being warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Now, there's lots of different things to stop and pause about. One, is how long do you think they stayed with Jesus? How long? If you traveled a year to go see the king of the Jews, do you think you would leave after one night? No. I imagine them being there like a couple weeks, maybe a month. They'd be hanging out. My kids would be playing with Jesus. The, the, the interaction, I would be talking to Mary, I'd be talking to Joseph, they would not just come in, give the treasure, and leave. They want to know the king of the Jews. They want to worship him. They want to understand him. They want to give him praise, but the Bible doesn't tell us that. It doesn't say how long. So you get to determine how long, and it will fascinate your heart the more you think about it because the story will become real. That's why I think Jesus doesn't give us all the answers all the time is because he wants us to use the creativity inside of our hearts that he's given us to bring us closer to him. Another fascinating part, it says that God came in a dream. Now, again, off my assumption, I'm saying there's 100 or 200 people there. Who had the dream? Did they all have the same dream? Or was it like in Daniel where one person had a dream, they all got together and they interpreted it? So in my my storyline, I'm saying 
One person had the dream. They woke up. They told everybody, and they all got gathered together in prayer, and they got the interpretation that they are supposed to go a different way. It creates community. It creates love. It creates enjoyment. And one thing that is interesting is it creates more faith for the Magi. Now, why does it create more faith? Well, now they have to go back a different way than they came. They haven't been that direction before. They don't know where the stops are to get food. They don't know where the bandits will be hiding out. They have to go back a different way, and God did that on purpose to create something in them that wouldn't have happened if he went back the same way. Because when I read this scripture in Matthew 2 that I think is fascinating, is that when you read the story of the Magi, you will see over and over the Old Testament getting brought up. God was confirming things that happened. Because why would the star just not appear and they could skip over Jerusalem and go straight to Bethlehem and worship? Well, God wanted the Magi to go to Jerusalem. Why? Because he wanted Herod to hear it. Why? Because he wanted Herod to go kill the babies in Bethlehem. Why? Because the prophet spoke that a cry would be heard. You know, over and over we see that. It's not, when I say that it's God's plan, it wasn't God's plan that, you know, I'm not saying that he wanted to kill the babies. I'm saying that to confirm the prophetic words that were spoken, he had to do certain things. Because then it says, after the Magi leave, it says that God came to Joseph in a dream and told him he needs to get to Egypt. And it wasn't like a, a question. It was like an urgency dream because it says in the middle of the night, he got up and took his family and left. Now, think about that. Think if you were living in your house right now and God told you, you have to leave tonight. You have to gather yourself and leave and go to a piece of land that you do not know. You don't have a place to stay. You don't have a reservation. And you have to just take your family and run. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking of Joseph, and I was like, man, Joseph must be really stressing out right now. He's like freaking out because he has to lead his family into a place where he doesn't know where he's going. And then I thought about the story, and I said, Lord, you provided. Why did the Magi come and give Joseph and Mary treasure? He gave them finances to be able to be able to be used in the upcoming season for him to be established in Egypt and be provided for. God knew that he would have to go to Egypt because in the prophet said, out of Egypt I will call my son. So he had to have went, but God provided. But Joseph still had to walk out in faith doing it. Over and over and over when we read the story of Jesus' birth, God is confirming things that he already spoke before, and then he's leaving things out for us to find out now. Does that make sense? So let's go to, uh, see what verse we're at. Um, I'll just read 13. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take your child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. And stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. 
So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and while it was still night, he left for Egypt and stayed there until the death of Herod. This happened so that what has been spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be filled. Out of Egypt I have called my son. So lately I've been thinking about how important it is to tell the truth. I've been thinking about honesty. I've been thinking about integrity. I've been thinking about not telling lies. And I was thinking about Matthew 2. Because I was wondering, I was like, God, if Jesus didn't get sent into Egypt, and he didn't come out of Egypt, your word would be a lie. That scripture would be a lie. And if that one scripture is a lie, then I, would question, I could question all these other scriptures saying, I don't know if they're true or not, because it didn't happen the way it was supposed to happen. But Jesus is so faithful, the Father is so faithful, the Holy Spirit is so faithful, that the words that were spoken of from prophets 400, 500, 600 years prior got fulfilled so that you and me would have faith that the word is real, that the Bible has authority, and that God finishes what he starts, it should give us great faith and encouragement in this season, no matter what we're facing, that Jesus is going to help us through. That he's prepared us for the difficulties that are ahead of us. And he's going to rejoice and give us gifts just like the Magi came and gave gifts. Does that make sense? Well, you guys are pretty quiet. So the way I want to end today is I want to remind people if they want prayer for anything specific, the prayer team will be up here over by the cross to get prayed for. But what I, what I want to pray is that I feel like God wants to open up our imagination. I feel like God wants to make the word more real and exciting to us than it has been. And it's, it's not about him, it's about us, that sometimes we get so familiar that we lose the impact of going through the stories and hearing his heart and picturing them. So if that's you, I just encourage you, you can just stand up where you're at, that you're just saying, Lord, I want a fresh revelation of who you are, and I want my imagination to take me on a journey with your scripture. So I'm just the imagination, the creativity that the Holy Spirit can bring to us. So if that's you, just stand and I'm going to pray over us. Jesus, I thank you that you created us. I thank you that you've given us a mind to imagine and to think and to create. Lord, I just, I just lift up the ones in this room, that you would just wash over us with your spirit of creativity, of imagination, that you would help us dream and to focus on your word, that we would enjoy it when we read it, that we would put ourselves in your scripture and that it would become real to us, that our heart would be engaged, that we would see things we've never seen before. Lord, I just ask you for that creativity, that joy, that fun, that freedom, that childlike faith to be poured out among us. And that we would just worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen.